So, um, for those of you um, that have been around for a couple of weeks, um, we are doing a series on why do we do what we do. And I think we've come to the most complex of all the sessions, communion. Why do we take communion? And I think it's complex because each of the other weeks have been a response, right? We, we gather as a community because we've been adopted into the family of God. We uh, listen to teaching because we want to know more of God. We respond to God with singing. And even our prayers are a response to what God has done on the cross. And then we come to communion. Now, let me be honest. I can see it in your faces. You're here on a normal HTC Sunday and suddenly you're like, there's liturgy. And you're like, oh, it must be communion week. And then we make you line up uh, in rows with kind of soft music in the background. It's much like being at a pub, isn't it? And you get to the front of the queue and you're like, uh, the house red and a bread with dip. And, uh, and, 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 then, and then no one quite knows what to do. So we fumble around a little bit and then we go back to our pew and we'll sing a bit more. And then let's be honest, for most of us, by the time we've walked out those doors, we've forgotten we've actually taken communion, if we're being honest with ourselves. And so what I want to try and do today is unpack communion. How and why. Now, before I begin, I just want to just make a few quick remarks so that you know, we're all kind of knowing where we're going. The first is this. I can't nuance everything I'm going to say. Okay? And so I'm going to preach as if communion is the most important part of a service. And then you should go away and think, is what he said is true? And discuss it in your connect groups. Secondly, there's a lot of kind of rabbit holes that we could go down. The differences between that and the differences. You just please trust me that what we're going to do, I think, is the most important thing. And then finally, I'm going to use communion and the Lord's Supper interchangeably. Okay? It's okay. They're the same thing. Okay? So now that we've got that all out the way. Because there's so much confusion around communion, I'm going to do how and why Do we take communion? And for how, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take us through the whole communion service. And so we're going to do the peace together, we're going to confess together, and then the high point of the service will be at the end when we take communion together. And in order to get out of our kind of little ruts that we're in, we're going to do communion slightly differently. We're all going to come to the front and we're going to stand or kneel to take communion. Yes, we're going to talk about kneeling. It's a controversial one. And the way we're going to do it is the people on the side aisle, if you're at the front, you're going to be first to come down. And you're going to stand and you're going to line up here. And the people on this side, you're going to stand and line up here. There's going to be an usher that will show you which way. And we welcome anyone who knows Jesus to come and take communion. And the way I want to kind of frame all of this, the how and the why, is to look at Paul's rebuke of the Corinthian church. So before I do, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of communion. And we thank you for what you are asking us to remember, the great sacrifice of your son. And I pray now with all of us, all of us who have baggage, all of us who have thoughts, all of us who have fears about communion, all of us who have apathy for communion, I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and minister to us, that we would see the great sacrifice even more clearly. We ask this in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Amen. Can I invite you to grab a Bible at the end of your rows and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and you can find it on page 1153. Corinthians chapter 11, and the first part of this passage is the why. Why do we do what we do? And then the second part is the how. How do we do it? And we're going to do how before why. I'm not sure why, but that's how we're going to do it. Okay? So, that's my only joke of the whole evening. Okay, chapter 11, verses 23 to 30. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why so many of you are weak and ill and a number of you have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep means dead. So there we go. So the how. How do we take communion? Have a look with me at verse 29. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. So the first thing is together. As a gathered community of believers, it's why you can go all over the world and you cannot understand a word of what is being said, but when you see broken bread and wine outpoured, you know I'm with family. And Paul is asking us, he's saying, discerning the body of Christ. So what that means is it's more than just meeting together. It is assessing in our hearts the view that we have of those around us. Because we take communion in community, we have to discern ourselves within that community. Let me explain it like this, right? You and I are family. And because we're all family... People often get hurt, and some of you have been hurt by people in this family, by Christians. You've been lied to. You've been hurt. Some of you are carrying real pain, and some of it might be by people in this room. And what Paul is asking us to do is we have to discern that. If we feel that we've been hurt, if we feel that we've been let down, if we have been let down, we have to see, are they a brother or sister in Christ or not? Christ died for that person, and we have to be able to discern our relationship to that brother or that sister. And we discern in two ways. The first is, am I holding anger or bitterness against someone in the family of God? And they might be in this room or a Christian outside of this room, and that is hard. And that is especially hard when it can be over small things that have grown and grown and grown. And it needs to be put right. You need to be able to offer a hand of peace to that person. 
Now, for some, for some cases, it involves church discipline. Okay? We're not talking about that. What we're talking about is where you can say to that person, yes, you've hurt me, but I forgive you, and I offer you a hand of peace. That is why we share the peace with one another. And I'm sharing the peace with you because we are brothers and sisters in Christ, in this room and outside of this room. Secondly, the way we discern is it's an expression of how we feel about all Christians. We all need Jesus. We all need Jesus the same. I'm no better or no worse of a Christian. Christ didn't need to die more for me or less for me than you. We are all equal. And when we share the peace, it's a way of us saying, yes, we both needed this. And we have to discern in our hearts, do we really think that? And I think one way that we discern not is, it's very subconscious, but I think it's prevalent, is that when you feel like you've got your life together, and you look at someone else and you think they really need Jesus. Like, I need Jesus, but they really need Jesus. And what you're doing is you're a better Christian than them. That's ultimately what you're saying and thinking. And you have to discern in your heart, is that what is going on? Or flip it the other way around. Your life may be chaos. You don't need anyone to tell you that you need Jesus. And you look at other people and you go, they don't, they don't need Jesus as much as me. Well, that's wrong as well. And you need to discern that. Quick word to the people in the first group. If that is you, don't take communion. Because what you're saying is Christ hasn't died for them. Or Christ hasn't, Christ, Christ's death is needed more. And you've totally misunderstood what it means to be adopted into the spiritual family of God. But that's what it means to discern. So I'm going to leave a moment of silence, then we're going to take the peace. And I'd like us all to think through two questions. The first is this, is there a Christian that you can't say the peace to? Is there? If there's someone in this room that you need to share the peace with as a sign of, yes, I forgive you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And number two, is there anything you need to discern about how you view others in this community, in the Christian community? So I'm going to give us all a moment of science to reflect, and then we're going to take the piece together. Can I invite you to stand? This is not a limp handshake. This is a celebration that Christ has died for each and every one of us and we're adopted into the family of God. If you're at the end of the row, you should feel free to go out of your row. And if you need to do business with someone, you should do that. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let's offer one another a sign of the peace. Okay. So how do we take communion? We take it together. Have a seat. How do we take communion? We take it together. Second, have a look with me at verse 27 and 28. So then, 
Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. How do we take it? We take it unworthily. This may not make sense because it says don't take it in an unworthy manner, but let me explain. At the heart of communion is the undeniable fact that everyone is unworthy to take communion because we are remembering the very act that makes us worthy. Okay, Think about it like this, right? This is Jesus' death. Before Jesus' death or post-knowing Jesus, we were unworthy to take communion. Pre, pre-Jesus' death, we were unworthy. Post-Jesus' death, we are worthy. We've been incorporated into the body of believers. We've been healed. We've been forgiven. We've been washed. What do we sing? What can wash away my sin? By Jesus taking our transgressions on himself on the cross. That makes us worthy. But the issue is, is when we don't acknowledge this need when we are remembering Jesus' death. We forget the very reason he had to die in the first place. If we don't come and say, yes, I was unworthy. Thank you for making me worthy. So, to not do that... Let's have a look, see what he says. Verse 27. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, we don't want to do that, we don't want to pretend like we're worthy, you'll be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves. Examine ourselves. And there's a number of ways we can do that. And one way is to use a confession. Liturgy. We confess our sin, our shame, our need. And the beauty is this. When we have confessed, we are all going to hear the words, not that you've hopefully been forgiven, but that you have been forgiven. And when I declare that we've been forgiven, it's not me forgiving you. It's standing on the truths of the Bible that when we confess, we are forgiven. It is the gospel. That is what we're about to do. It is the gospel. Our need for Christ, our repentance to Christ, and then we are forgiven by Christ. Now, you may not be like me, but some of you may be like me. And you may be thinking at this moment, going, well, what if I don't bother with confession? What if I don't actually mean the peace? No one's going to know. Well, have a look with me at verse 30, just very quickly. That is why many among you are weak and ill, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Now, Paul is not talking here spiritually. He's saying that you're either taking communion seriously, you're taking it with reverence, you're taking it with a joyful and sincere heart, or you're not. There's no middle ground. And this may sound harsh, but when we get to why we take communion, there are innumerable, there are countless benefits of remembering Christ's death if we take it in the right way. But if we don't take it in the right way, what are we doing? We're basically blaspheming and making a mockery of the very act that saves us. So why would you do that? That's more of the question. Not that this is harsh. It's like, why would you make a mockery? And so we're going to have space right now, every single one of us, to examine ourselves and then confess. 
And maybe this is for the first time. Over these, com- these weeks and these months, you've been weighing up. Do I need Jesus? Do I need to confess? And, and, and this is a great moment for you to examine yourself. And we're going to read some words. We're going to confess together. And many of you are going to be like, oof, these words are strong. But the truth is, Jesus didn't die because I swore when I trapped my finger in the door. He died, he was crucified because I was dead in my sin. It's serious stuff and we need to examine ourselves. And for some of us, we need to adopt a posture of submission. For some of us, we need to adopt a posture of submission. Let's be totally honest. Right now, we live in one of the greatest cities the world has ever known and probably will ever know. And some of us in this room are incredibly powerful. And some of us in, in this room have incredible influence. Not to mention some of us have incredible wealth. Now, some of us may not have those things, but we have success. We have influence. We live in this incredible time, and it is very easy for us to forget our need for Jesus. And for some of us, to get our hearts right, we may need to kneel. Now, before the religious police send me an email... Kneeling is not holy. It doesn't make you any better than anyone else. But what it can do for some of us is to get our hearts right. Because we come to this with nothing. With nothing. So. But many of us, our greatest need is the realization that we need Christ. That's for all of us. And for some of us, we need to get on our knees and remember that without him, we have nothing. So I'm going to leave space. If you would like to kneel, please kneel. And if you would like to stay seated, please stay seated. And then we're going to confess in a few minutes. Shall we confess together? Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of all people, we acknowledge and lament our many sins and the wickedness we have committed time after time by thought, word, and deed against your divine majesty. We have provoked your righteous anger and your indignation against us. We earnestly repent and are deeply sorry for these our wrongdoings. The memory of them weighs us down. The burden of them is too great for us to bear. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. For your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, forgive us all that is past and grant that from this time forward, We may always serve and please you in newness of life to the honor and glory of your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who of his great mercy hath promised forgiveness of sins to all them that turn to him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hear what comfortable words our Saviour Christ says to all who truly turn to him, come unto me. All that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. So God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the end that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Amen. How? We take it together, and we take it unworthily. Why? Have a look with me at verse 26. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We are proclaiming the Lord's death. And I think this is where we all get a little bit tangled up. You know, we kind of have this, you know, Jesus dies on the cross and a response to Jesus dying on the cross, we proclaim the Lord's death. It's like sung worship, right? It's responding to the act of salvation in the taking of the Lord's Supper. But that's not what the passage says. It's not what we're told to do. Have a look with me. This is not what it says, but this is my body, which is for you. Do this in response to my death for you. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink this in response to the new covenant bought for you. It's not a response. The act of communion is not one thing leads to another, right? Jesus dies, so we respond in song worship. Communion doesn't do that because it's not that. Communion is preeminent. It holds all the other things together because at its root, it is purely remembrance. If all the other things are responses, communion at its heart is stripping everything back and we come to take communion with what? What do we come to take communion with? Nothing. We come to take communion with nothing. We had uh, Jesse and Elsie. Uh, they're part of our youth. They're on work experience with us in the office. Um, and unfortunately for them, it was while I was thinking through communion. So they had a kind of hours of being grilled on what they thought about communion. It was quite intense, to be fair. Um, but I'm leaving. And it's good for them to learn. And um, I thought it was a you know, helpful part of their growing process. And, 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 and throughout all of this, Jessie said something fascinating. She said, so communion is coming back to grace. Yes, song worship and prayer and teaching is all about grace, but it is about explaining or responding to grace. Communion is about coming back to the heart of grace. We don't come with our voices, we don't come with our money, our intellect, we don't come with our wisdom, we don't come with our theology, we come empty-handed to remember the extraordinary and lavish gift of grace that has been shown to us. That is the weight. That is the reverence of communion. The problem is this. The problem what is that you've got churches that have gone, yes, we need to have reverence. But they've swung way too far in order to try and keep hold of that reverence. 
And so they've made this idea that, that when Jesus was talking about this is my body, they think this means literally. Jesus never meant it to be literal. He does this time and time again. He's not literally a vine. He's not literally a gate. He's not literally a loaf of bread. He's not literally water. Right? So they get it wrong. But the problem is this. Then you have churches like the church I grew up in that swing totally the opposite way and they totally devalue the Lord's Supper. At best, it's a kind of like, oh, if we don't want to do prayer ministry, we'll tag it on at the end. At worst, it's an inconvenience. Both are wrong. Now look, I'm not mocking anyone. What I want us to do is to think through where we are and where we swing. Okay, So I'm not mocking, I'm not digging, I'm just highlighting. But often I've met people that grew up in the Roman Catholic Church and they'll say, I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church and then I came to faith and I don't like taking communion. I find it difficult. And I go, you don't like taking the Lord's, you don't like proclaiming the Lord's death? Or, you know, we'll have people that have come, come to our church and, and they've grown up in church that kind of, they, they, you know, they, and they, with us, they're going, I just, I don't like how you make communion such a big deal with the liturgy. And I want to go, it is a big deal. It is a big deal. 50 years, many of us will know this, but 50 years ago, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, they landed on the moon. Buzz Aldrin, um, he, was a, he, was, he was a devout Presbyterian. And so he went to his um, pastor of Webster Presbyterian Church, and he said to him this, he said, I've been struggling to find the right symbol for the first lunar landing. What did the pastor encourage him to do? Well, you should take wafer and wine so that on the surface of the moon you can celebrate communion. And this is what Buzz Aldrin wrote. In the one-sixth gravity of the moon, the wine curled slowly and gracefully up the side of the cup. It was interesting to think that the very first liquid ever poured on the moon and the first food eaten there were communion elements. There he is, proclaiming Christ's death in one of the greatest achievements humanity has ever accomplished, he proclaimed Christ's death. So, why? Why do we take communion? To proclaim the Lord's death. But then the question is, well, why? Why not just have another response? Why do we have to do this remembrance thing? And because the truth is of the human condition. And the human condition is to forget, and that is amplified when it comes to Jesus Christ. You see, all the way through the Bible, people totally forget what God has done. And then in the Gospels, it kind of becomes even more stark. Think of Matthew 26, right? Jesus gathers his men. These are his guys, the 12 closest guys to him. And he gathers them, and he's going to share the Passover meal. What's the Passover meal? The Passover meal is the remembrance meal of what God has done, how he's taken his people out of slavery and made them free. It's a massive deal. And they're remembering that moment. They're remembering the salvation of their forefathers. And it's all there. All of it's set up. And we know it's there because it's written about. The wine is there to remember the blood of the lamb. The unleavened bread is there to remember that the Jewish people were called to be set apart. But the main thing isn't there. Where's the lamb? 
That's the focal point. It's basically like Christmas without turkey. It's birthday without cake. Passover without lamb. It just doesn't happen and it's not there. And Jesus, by not having it there, is ignoring the old covenant, the old sacrifice and the old salvation way. Why? Because he's ushering in a new covenant, a new sacrifice and a new salvation way because the new lamb is there. At the table, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's there. He's among them. And what does Jesus give them? What does Jesus give them to remember this moment? He gives them a remembrance meal. Why do we take communion? To proclaim the Lord's death. Why do we proclaim the Lord's death? To remember. Why do we need to remember? Because the human condition is to forget. Let's take a moment to think about who was around that table that night. Peter. In a matter of hours, he's going to deny knowing Jesus. And don't give me, oh, he was ashamed or he was scared. The truth is, he forgot. He forgot seeing Jesus in all of his glory at the transfiguration. He forgot Jesus was the son of God, which he had said with his own mouth. He forgot all that he experienced with Jesus. Peter had been there from the very beginning and he forgets it all. He forgets the value of Jesus. He forgets God. But it's not just Peter. It's Judas. Three years Judas has been following Jesus and he's seen him heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. He's sat with him, he's heard his teaching, he's cried with Jesus, he's laughed with Jesus. He's seen Jesus take control of nature and Judas is going to throw it all away because he forgets God. And he trades it all in for 30 pieces of silver. It's not just Peter. It's not just Judas. It's me. It's you. Can you imagine forgetting Jesus like Judas? Some of us don't even have to imagine it. How many times we've taken a job or accepted a promotion or been in a relationship knowing it would compromise our relationship with Christ? We've sacrificed our relationship with Christ for fleeting success or comfort and it's because we forget. And we cannot live as disciples of Christ if we don't remember. And Christ is showing us the problem. He's got his top guys with him. Why would he give them a remembrance meal if he thinks they're going to remember? Because he's saying, you are going to forget. All of humanity is going to forget. Holy Trinity Clapham, you will forget. No matter how good your worship is, no matter how good an experience is going to be, you will forget. And let's be honest, how easy is it for us to forget? Let's be honest for a minute. How we forget Jesus, we forget our salvation. As Jesus is, is, is led up the path, his back is ripped open. He is mocked, he is scorned, and he is placed on a tree, and he becomes a curse for you and me. But we forget that. He's brought naked in absolute agony and in absolute shame, and he is mocked by a crowd for you and for me. But we forget that. 
and he has nails through his wrists and he hangs on a tree bleeding to death like a gutless fish. But we forget that. And then he dies. But we forget that. And then he's buried in a borrowed tomb like a peasant. But we forget that. And then God raises him to new life. But we forget that. He became our sacrifice. He who knew no sin became our sin so that we wouldn't have to face punishment or hell or any of those things. All we face is the loving song of the Father that sings over us. But we forget that. And we forget it all. And that, that is what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to remember. He calls us to run back to grace. Remember me. And as you remember me, as you proclaim, as you proclaim my death, all the benefits of Christ's death can be experienced for you. If you're in the midst of despair, come to communion and ask for the great comforter to comfort you. If you need healing, come to communion and seek and ask. If you have unfulfilled desires, when you come to communion, ask that Christ would satisfy all your desires, all of your longings. If you feel empty, Come to communion and say, I need, feed, I need to be fed, Lord. That is the weight of communion. That is what it means when we proclaim Christ's death. And that is why we have liturgy. To get our hearts and our minds ready. It's not an inconvenience. We cannot begin to fathom the depth of what we're about to do. So almighty God, our heavenly Father, who of thy tender mercy gave your only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption, who made there, by his one oblation of himself once offered, a full, perfect and sufficient sacrifice, oblation and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world. And he instituted and in his holy gospel commanded us to continue a perpetual memory of that his precious death until he comes again. Hear us. O merciful Father, we most humbly beseech thee. And grant that we receiving these creatures of bread and wine according to thy Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ's holy institution, and in remembrance of his death and passion, may be partakers of his most blessed body and blood. Who in the same night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. 
And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was given for thee, preserve thy body and soul into everlasting life. That's the gospel. Therefore, take, eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you. And then feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you. Preserve your body and soul into everlasting life. That's the gospel. And therefore, drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you. And be thankful. Shall we come back to grace?